we're placing our heads at the feet of those great devotees who are always remembering the Lord and who are dedicating their lives to uplifting humanity by bringing them closer to his lotus feet. In fact, a devotee's aspiration is that his head never parts from the lotus feet of the great Vaishnavas. This is an expression of humility. In fact, some great acharyas of the past have said that a devotee, his aspiration is to always walk on his head. A devotee considers that it is because I am, offense, I am an offensive demon that I am forced to walk with my feet. Because if I had any humility whatsoever, my head would never leave the ground. It would always be at the lowest place on the level of the feet of the great Vaishnavas. The fact that we look down when we're standing up at the feet of the Vaishnavas, to a devotee, this breaks his heart. Why can I not walk on my head? So I can always be looking up toward the dust particles of the feet of the great devotees. Because it is only in humbling oneself beside, before the sadhus that there is any hope of spiritual emancipation and the development of devotional qualities. As we were reading yesterday in the teachings of Prahlad Maharaj, he explained to his father, Hiranyakashipu, his last final teaching to his father, unless one smears the dust from the feet of the Vaishnavas all over one's body, one cannot achieve Krishna's love. And Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, he explains the same divine sentiment. Tadvidi pranipatina paribrasnena sevaya upatekshantite jnanam jnaninastitadarshanam If you want to know the truth, you must approach Guru and inquire submissively. Submissively means we must humble ourselves before the great souls and aspire to be their servant. And of course, this not only means our spiritual master, of course, that must be there. The spiritual master is the Param Vaishnav for the devotee. But simply by worshipping the spiritual master in this frame of mind is not enough. One must also aspire to adore all the great Vaishnavas with this frame of mind. And within the Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya, this is all we find is interchanges of divine love between those devotees who are sincere in devotional service. There is a beautiful story about two most intimate and loving friends, Srinivasa Acharya and Narottam Das Thakur. Every day at most of our temples we are singing the songs of Srila Narottam Das Thakur. In fact, on the disappearance days of great devotees of the Lord, it is required that we chant his beautiful prayers to the departed Vaishnavas. This beautiful prayer begins, 
Throughout the song, he is expressing the very deep and painful sentiments of separation he is feeling from those Vaishnavas who have left him. But in the first line, he is expressing his deep, deep feelings of love, not for his spiritual master, but to his friend, Srinivasacharya. The relationship between Srinivasacharya and Narottam Das Thakur should be understood by all of us if we want to really deeply enter into this pure realm of Vaishnava etiquette and relationships. Srinivasacharya, his life is a beautiful example of devotion. From childhood, he was always longing to have the beautiful darshan of Lord Sri Chandra. When he finally became old enough, with tears of love in his eyes, to pursue his only goal of life, he began to walk barefoot that long journey to Jagannath Puri to see Sri Gauranga Mahaprabhu. But when he came to the outskirts of Jagannath Puri, he learned that Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had left this world. When he came to Puri, it is a long story. He was going to all the place of Lord Chaitanya's Leela and remembering him, he was simply weeping and weeping in the sorrow of separation. But he attained the divine mercy and kindness of Sri Gadadhar Pandit. Later on, it is a long story, but we will Summarize, Gadadhar Pandit left this planet. And he went to Navadweep, where he met with Sachi Mata, Vishnu Priya, who were also enwrapped in great separation from Lord Gorhari. And later on, he wanted to visit the holy place of Lord Nityananda's birth, Eka Chakra. And while there, he came to the birthplace of Lord Nitai and fell in the dust of that place with his heart throbbing in ecstatic devotion. And with great jubilation and at the same time sorrow of separation, he visited the many, many beautiful places of Lord Nityananda's divine Leela. In one night, Lord Nityananda appeared to him in a dream. He told him, Srinivas, you should go to Vrindavan. And there you should seek the shelter of the lotus feet of Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami, who are the topmost of all Vaishnavas throughout the creation. So Srinivas began his journey to Vrindavan. On the way he visited Prayag, and then he visited Ayodhya. And then alas, after over a thousand miles journey by foot, he attained the outskirts of his destination. He approached Mathura. 
Walking along the banks of the Jamuna, he came to the holy place of Vishwamghat. That is the place where after Krishna killed Kangsha, he stopped to rest for some time. And while he was taking his bath in Jamuna, there were several Brahmins also in Jamuna. And as they were bathing, they were weeping tears of sorrow. And they were talking amongst themselves. How unfortunate are we and how unfortunate is this world that the crest jewel of all Vaishnavas have left us. First Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left the world. And here in Vrindavan upon hearing the news, immediately Raghunath Bhat Goswami died of separation. He could not tolerate. And then Kashishwar Goswami, he also left this world in separation. And just a few days back, that great senior most of all the Goswamis, Sanatan Goswami, he could no longer endure the separation from Lord Goranga, and he also left this world. And we have just heard the news that today Rupa Goswami has also departed from this mortal sphere. Upon hearing this, Srinivasacharya was struck with the arrow of anguish. He inquired from the Brahmins and they told him the details. And at that time he could not contain himself. He simply laid on the ground crying. He could not be pacified. One Brahmin from Mathura was trying everything he could to pacify Srinivas to bring him back to his external consciousness. But Srinivas was simply weeping and weeping and weeping and crying out in separation from these great devotees, Rupa and Sanatana. At that time, many of the residents of Mathura, they came forward and were doing everything within their power to give him some reason to live. But it was to no avail. He simply laid there drowning in an ocean of sorrow. That night, Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Sanatana Goswami appeared to him in a dream. And they told him, but why are you crying like this? What is the problem? We are always with you. In fact, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, he is every bit as divinely empowered as we are. You will attain the full shelter of the lotus feet of Lord Goranga by accepting initiation from him. And then you should study under Srila Jiva Goswami, our own nephew. And in this way you will never be apart from us. We have a great mission for you, Srinivas. We want you to take the great spiritual literatures of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and distribute them so that all the world will benefit. Now you go to Vrindavan. So he decided to change his mind and continue his life. And he began the journey to Vrindavan Dham. That same night, Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami appeared to Srila Jiva Goswami. They told him that tomorrow you go to the Sandhya Arti at Govinda Dev Mandir. And you will find amidst the crowd one Srinivas. He has a beautiful golden complexion. He has lotus-like eyes. He's very lean and thin. In fact, he is emaciated 
due to suffering separation from the great devotees of the Lord. You should take him as your own and bring him to the lotus feet of Gopal Bhatta. That same night, Rupa and Sanatana appeared to Gopal Bhatta Goswami and told him that one very, very great devotee who is very dear to Lord Goranga, he will come tomorrow. You should accept him as your disciple. So early in the morning, Jiva Goswami approached Gopal Bhatta Goswami and they discussed this wonderful dream. And with tears of love, they were remembering Rupa and Sanatana and began to cry and embrace one another. That evening, Jiva Goswami was looking throughout the temple of Sri Radha Govindaji. And in the back of the temple, he found Srinivas laying on the ground, weeping. With his own hands, Jiva Goswami picked him up and embraced him. When Srinivas understood that this is the great Jiva Goswami, he placed his head at the feet of the great Goswami. Then Jiva Goswami brought him to his temple. and he brought him before the beautiful deity of Radha Damodar. Radha Damodar is the lord of the life of Srila Jiva Goswami. And Jiva Goswami explained how this beautiful Murti was personally made by the hands of Srila Rupa Goswami and given to him as a gift. And how he worshipped this deity as the Lord of his life. We sing often the beautiful song. Jai Radha Damodara Radha Damodara Radhe Goswami Pran Dana Frustrated obeisance, and upon seeing the beauty of Lord Sri Damodar, tears filled his eyes, filled him with love. In fact, this same Damodar, sometimes when Jiva Goswami would see him, he would actually perceive with his own eyes. Damodar playing upon his flute and dancing. Krishna reveals himself according to how we approach him. 
after having the holy darshan of Sri Radha Damodar, Srinivas was brought to the holy samadhi of Srila Rupa Goswami. There, more than ever before, he felt the divine presence of Sri Rupa and worshipped his lotus feet with tears of love. The next day, Jiva Goswami brought him to the Radharaman temple, which was the place of residence of Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And when he came before the great Vaishnav, Srinivas fell and placed his head at the feet of Gopal Bhatt. And Gopal Bhatta lifted him up affectionately and embraced him with great love. At that time, Jiva Goswami introduced and Srinivas begged Sri Gopal Bhatta to accept him as his disciple and servant. Gopal Bhatta Goswami explained that nothing is mine. I am the property of Sri Radharaman. You are asking me to accept you as disciple? What this means is I offer you personally as an offering of love to the lotus feet of Sri Sri Radharaman. And he brought him to the temple. When Gopal Bhatta Goswami came to Vrindavan, he was asked by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to worship Krishna in the form of Shalagram Shila. But Gopal Bhatta was very much feeling great attachment to serving Rupa Goswami's Murti Govindadev in the, in the temple. When he told Rupa Goswami that Lord Goranga wants me to worship the Shalagram Shiva, Rupa Goswami says, that means that it is your destiny now to worship Govindaji in separation. So this Shalagram Shila, ah, he had to go all the way to the Gandaki River in Nepal to obtain. But Gopal Bhatta was always thinking of the beautiful face of Govindaji the beautiful chest of the great deity of Gopinath and the lotus feet of Madan Mohan. You see, these are the three primary deities of Vrindavan. Sri Govinda, Gopinatha, Madana Mohan. It is described that the, great, the grandson of Lord Krishna, Vajra, he was the son of Aniruddha, who was the son of Prajumana, who was the son of Krishna. And after Krishna left this planet and all the Yadu dynasty followed behind, Maharaj Parikshit left one of the only survivors of the Yadu dynasty, Vajra, the charge of all of the area of Mathura and Vrindavan to rule over. Now Vraja, Vajra, he wanted to have a beautiful form of Krishna in the Murti that was identical to the true beauty of Shamsundar. So he had Vishwakarma carving the Murti. And his mother was describing exactly what each part of Krishna looked like because she had seen him. She lived with him. 
So he carved one Murti and she said, the feet of this Murti are identical to the feet of Krishna. That was the Murti of Radha Madan Mohan. And then he carved another Murti and she said that the chest of this Murti is identical exactly the chest of Krishna. That was the Murti of Radha Gopinath. And she carved, he, car, he carved again and she explained that the face of this Murti has captured the true perfect beauty of Sri Krishna. That was Radha Govindaji. So Gopal Bhattu Goswami living in Vrindavan was always meditating on the feet of Madan Mohan, the chest of Gopinath, and the face of Radha Govindaji. But in the meanwhile, on the order of Lord Goranga Mahaprabhu, he was worshipping a little Shalagram Shivas. And someone gave him nice ornaments. And he was thinking, how can I put these ornaments on a Shalagram Shiva? So he was feeling great separation from these great three Murtis of Brindabrajadham. So that night, the Shalagram Shila grew and manifested himself into a beautiful, beautiful Murti. And when Gopal Bhatta Goswami looked at it, he was struck with wonder. Why is Radharaman perhaps the most worshipped of all the deities of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas? Because his feet are identical to Madan Mohan's feet. His chest is identical to Gopinath's chest and his face is identical to Govinda's face. So in this way, Krishna completely fulfilled all the desires of Gopal Bhattu Goswami, who were seeing all his three worshipable deities in one. And then the Murti spoke and told Gopal Bhatta, I have come to fulfill all of your desires. And then Gopal Bhatta named this Murti Radharaman because he was found in the area of the Ras Lila, Nidiban. Radharaman means one who gives pleasure to Sri Radha. And he called all the great Goswamis to, to have a wonderful installation ceremony. So when Srinivas heard this wonderful story and stood before the beautiful darshan of the exquisite form of Sri Radharaman, he fell to the ground, tears of love, and he worshipped Lord Sri Krishna with his heart and his soul. Therefore, we sing the beautiful prayer in honor of Radha Raman. Jai Radha Ramana, Radha Ramana, Radhe. Bata Prandana hai Gopal Bata Prandana hai
Bhakta Goswami, sometimes when he would be worshipping Sri Radharaman, he would remember the beautiful form of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Because when Gopal Bhatta was just a small child, living in Sri Rangam in South India, Lord Sri Goranga lived within his house for four months. And Gopal Bhatta was given the sacred service of massaging the Lord's feet and associating with him by rendering the most menial and loving forms of devotional service. Krishna fulfills all our desires if our hearts are pure. So one day while worshipping Sri Radha Raman, Gopal Bhatta was feeling great, great separation from Lord Sri Gaur Sundar. And at that time, right before his eyes, Sri Radha Raman transformed into the beautiful form of Lord Goranga to reveal his effulgent and splendid darshan. And Gopal Bhatta Goswami, upon seeing this, he realized that no desire is left unfulfilled for one who takes shelter of the Lord. In the word Goranga, he explained to him that you should know that Radha Raman and myself are non-different. When you worship him, you are worshiping me. When you are in his presence, you are in my presence. Gopal Bhatta fell at the lotus feet of Lord Gorhari and praying with a heart full of love that he can eternally remain his obedient servant. And then Lord Goranga again transformed into the beautiful form of Radharaman. Yes, if we surrender to Krishna, we are never the loser. When we surrender to Krishna, Krishna will fulfill all of our desires. But not our material desires. Because our material desires can never be fulfilled. But he fulfills all of our spiritual desires eternally. So in this way, Srinivasacharya, in the Divine Presence of Gopal Bhatta Goswami, engaged in the worship of Radharaman. In an auspicious day, the initiation ceremony took place and Srinivas became the formal disciple of the great Goswamiji. And Gopal Bhatta, after initiating him, he called upon Jiva Goswami and said, now I am putting him under your care. And he told Srinivas, there is no difference between Jiva Goswami and myself. You should surrender to his lotus feet and worship him and learn from him. So he went back to the temple of Jiva Goswami And there, Jiva Goswami began to educate Srinivas in the teachings of the six Goswamis and in the teachings of the great Vedic literatures. Srinivas had heard in so many ways from so many people the glories of one great, great devotee of the name Narottam Das Thakur. Narottam Das Thakur was about the same age as Srinivas. He was a prince in a family in Bengal who left everything to come to Vrindavan to take shelter of the lotus feet of the Goswamis. Narottam Das Thakur was also seeking the shelter of Srila Jiva Goswami 
But while living in Vrindavan, he became very attracted and attached to the mercy of one great Vaishnava of the name Lokanath Goswami. Lokanath Goswami was a very humble man. He was living with one Bhugarava Goswami in Vrindavan at the time and he was very old. And he had no disciples. But Narottam rendered such humble, menial and selfless service to Lokanath that he attracted his heart and Lokanath accepted Narottama's disciple and gave him formal initiation. But again, Lokanath entrusted Narottam Das Thakur to the training of Jiva Goswami. So Srinivas, hearing the glories of the humility and the devotion of Narottam, was simply longing in his heart to meet this great Vaishnava. And by the mercy and arrangement of Jiva Goswami, they came together. And when they came together, they both fell at each other's feet. And with tears of love, they both embraced. They both resolved in their hearts that I will never leave the association of this great soul. And together they lived in the ashram of Jiva Goswami. And it is described that Jiva Goswami, it was said that he had two arms, Narottam and Srinivas. And he saw that their desire to learn, their desire to serve, their humility, and their great eagerness for the association of the Vaishnavas was so great that he appealed to all the great Vrijbhasis and all the great residents of Raja to bestow all their blessings and mercy upon these two devotees who became the life and soul of all the devotees. Hmm. In fact, Srinivas was such a wonderful and sincere student who learned his lessons so well that Jiva Goswami decided to name him Srinivas Kaviraj. But Srinivas did not like this name because he considered it was a respectable title and he felt himself unworthy of any respectable title. So when Jiva Goswami saw that he was taking such a humble position, rejecting any title. Jiva Goswami changed the name. Not to Srinivas Kaviraj, but to Srinivas Acharya, just to completely break this tendency of accepting the honor that was due to him. So from that time on, he was known, and he is still known to this day, as Srinivasa Charja. And then Jiva Goswami, seeing the great, great quality of devotion of Narottam Das Thakur, also gave him the name Thakur Mahashaya, which is the highest, highest position. And again, Narottam Das, who was so humble and so simple, by the power of the great Jiva Goswami was forced to accept this title. So Narottam Das Thakur Mahashaya and Srinivasa Charja lived together in Brajadham for many, many years as inseparable loving friends. And together they traveled throughout Vrindavan. In fact, it is described in the Bhaktaratnakar how one of the intimate associates of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose name is Raghava Goswami, 
on the order of Jiva Goswami Raghava took Narottam and Srinivas on the whole Braj Mandala Parikram. And amongst the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, we learn about all the holy places of Vrindavan from this beautiful narration of Srinivasa Narottam along with Raghava going to all the twelve forests and all the holy places of Vrindavan and meeting all of the great saints. It is described when they came to Radha Kund, they met with Srila Raghunath Das Goswami. Now Narottam, Srinivas, they were both from very high castes. Raghunath was from Kayasta community. In Bengal, the Kayastas are considered sudras. But Raghunath Das, amongst the six Goswamis, was considered the Prayojana Goswami, the Goswami who taught the highest perfection of Krishna's love for the gopis and the gopis' love for Krishna. So when Srinivas and Narottam came to Das Goswami's beautiful bhajan kutir on the banks of Radha Kund, in great, great humility, they fell down and placed their heads at the feet of Raghunath Das. Raghunath Das, who was sitting crying in tears of separation, felt great joy and pleasure to see these great devotees, lifted them and embraced them and instructed them in the higher transcendental knowledge of Vrindavan, Vrindavan Leela. So in this way, for many, many years, Narottam and Srinivas lived together. And with the blessings of all the Vaishnavas, they were asked to leave Vrindavan and return to Bengal to travel and to preach the message of Rupa and Sanatana and to distribute their books and to distribute the mercy of the holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. So this is the great wealth of our Vaishnava tradition. Our wealth is not in money. Our wealth is not in temples, buildings. Our wealth is not in popularity. Our wealth is in the lives and the teachings of these great pure devotees of Sri Krishna. Because by hearing their life stories, and by studying the teachings that they have left behind, the doors to the lotus feet of Radha and Krishna are opened in our lives. By remembering these great devotees and by following in their footsteps, that is our real wealth, that is our real treasure. And to a sincere devotee, there is nothing else that has any value other than this. Without the association of those devotees who are striving to follow in the footsteps of these great, great Mahatmas, our life is a dreary void. Shunyayatam jagat saravam govinda virahename. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu prayed that without Govinda, without the vision of Govinda, everything in this entire universe, Sunyayatam jagat saravam, this entire universe is nothing but a big, big void. Nothing has meaning, nothing has value. And Govinda is only manifested through the association of his devotees. And together, when we remember the lives of these great saints, 
then we can gradually develop the same type of loving relationships as they had. We find in Srinivasacharya's beautiful story how much love and devotion he had to Rupan Sanatan, who he never even met. In the same way, we can have that much love for Srila Prabhupada, who many of us have never met, or Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, who we have never met personally. Prabhupada Goswami, he surrendered his life and soul to his lotus feet. And how much love and how much devotion and how much affection he had for his Shiksha Guru, his instructing spiritual master, Srila Jiva Goswami. And to Das Goswami, and Bhugarava Goswami, Lokanath Goswami, all the god brothers, not even god brothers, but associates and friends of his spiritual master. And he had just as much love and just as much affection, but in a different And he had just as much love and just as much affection, but in a different way. It is a different mood of love for the Guru, and for Shiksha Guru, Diksha Guru, it's a reverential love. But he had just as much love for Srinivasacharya, who was a fellow devotee, who was a disciple from another. Because they shared the same mission, they shared the same spirit. How much intimate, loving affection he had for him. That is why Srila Prabhupada said, you can show your love for me by how much you love one another. And how do we learn to love one another? It is not simply a materialistic, sentimental feeling that we are after. But by coming together to chant the holy names of the Lord in Sankirtan, by coming together to hear the narrations of the lives of the previous acharyas, by coming together to unify and harmonize despite personality conflicts to fulfill the mission of our spiritual master. That is the ways and the means of developing love for the Vaishnavas, for the Guru, for Krishna. Therefore, the great Narottam Das Thakur, he sang, and we have sung this song tonight, Hari Guru Vaishnava Bhagavad Gita. Please know that what the great devotees pray, every word has immense significance. Sri Chaitanya Nityananda Sri Advaita Sita Hari Guru Vaishnava Bhagavad Gita. Narottam Das Thakur are explaining the four pillars of our spiritual advancement. And if any, if our service attitude and our devotion to any of the four is lacking, then we will not properly advance in devotional service. Hari, Guru, Vaishnava, Bhagavad Gita. We chant the name of Hari. We loyally, with love and devotion, serve the mission of Guru. Hari, Guru. We serve in friendship and love the Vaishnavas. Hari is the Supreme Master who we surrender our life to. Guru is his divine representative, who we obey and always pursue his instructions. 
and the Vaishnava. The Vaishnavas are all of those devotees who are dedicating their lives in the mission of Guru and Krishna. Unless we worship them, adore them, and love them, if they are equals as friends, if they are senior as masters, and Bhagavad Gita, the holy scriptures. Because if we do not live in accordance with the scriptures, and if we do not worship the scriptures as they're being explained by the Guru and the Vaishnavas, then we have no direction. So therefore a devotee must learn how to show his devotion to Hari Guru Vaishnava Bhagavad Gita. Then there will be no impediments. Then Krishna's mercy will be full and complete to transport our lives to the divine loving service of Shishi Radha and Krishna. So coming together to chant the holy names, coming together to hear the glories of the Lord, and especially coming together to each and every one of us make sacrifices to uplift one another and to make sacrifices to pursue and increase and expand the mission of our Guru. Every one of us has a unique opulence that we can offer to the mission of Guru. Nobody should think that I have nothing to offer. Whatever you have, you give it and Krishna will be happy and Guru will be happy. If you have money, give money. If you have intelligence and knowledge, use your intelligence of knowledge. If you're a good writer, write. If you're a good manager, manage. If you're a good preacher, preach. If you're a good cook, cook. If you simply, whatever you can do, don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to take the credit yourself. That is a great mistake. But whatever we can do, let, it, let us put it in the, as we say in English, in the pool of the congregation of devotees. And let us all offer it to the Prabhupada and Radha Gopinath. We should not come before Guru and say, I have done this and I have done that. We should think, by the mercy of the Vaishnavas, I have been allowed to assist. And this is what we have to offer. Huh? This is how we can truly attract the divine blessing of Sri Guru Dev. And for that we need one another. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Is there any questions? Because if you can do that, you'll conquer the world. You think Maya is going to make it an easy thing? Hmm? Prabhupada explained back in 1972. He only had a, just a couple hundred disciples at the time. He said, if all of you would just work together, follow my instructions with a single mind, we would conquer the world within 18 days. Hmm. 
you think maya wants us to conquer the world with krishna's love it is her thankless task to keep the world in illusion and the only way she has hope of keeping the world in illusion is to forbid the devotees to have love and trust amongst each other because if they do the power of god will come through them and destroy all her darkness with the light of krishna's mercy Therefore, Srila Prabhupada explained so many times that Maya cannot disturb this movement from without. They can take our temples away. They can take our properties away. The agents of Maya can kill our physical bodies. The agents of Maya can put us in jail. But none of these things in any way can possibly disturb the progress of the Krishna consciousness movement. The demons cannot disturb us. He said the only way this movement can be disturbed or impeded is from within. Hmm? So when Maya sees that we're advancing and expanding in glorifying the name of God. She'll first try to attack us from without. But if we're strongly united, there's nothing she could do. It's like Prabhupada explained, if you have a bundle of sticks, each stick individually can be broken, but unified they cannot be broken. Maya cannot break the momentum of this movement as long as we are unified. court cases, weather conditions, economic conditions, persecution. Factually, the more Maya strikes with these things, the stronger devotees become. And the more ambitious they are, if they are sincere, to expand the movement. So among sincere devotees, the attacks from without only make the devotees stronger, more courageous, more fearless, and more empowered. So therefore, Maya has to very cleverly try to destroy from within. And how does she destroy from within? By creating doubt. By creating mistrust. By propaganda. It's not a physical thing, through propaganda. Propaganda is the most powerful weapon of Maya in this entire creation. I was just in France, in Paris. The king of France was the most powerful king in Europe. And how was he defeated? By lying propaganda. Those people who he was really helping the enemies from outside were just sending people inside just to say bad things. He's doing like this, he's doing like this, he's doing like this. And they heard it so many times that they just, nobody could trust each other anymore. This way, the enemy from outside knew he could not conquer from the outside. But from within, everything fell to pieces. That's the way Maya works. Maya will try to create mistrust and doubt amongst each other. Try to create dualities. Hmm? So if you see this propaganda creeping in, which it will, to create doubt and mistrust, know that it is a poisonous serpent to the mission of the Guru. You should trample on it immediately. You should kill it. Don't let it in. Because once that venom starts circulating, everybody becomes bewildered. Uh -huh. Love and trust. If you can't trust somebody, you can't love somebody. 
And what destroys trust? Propaganda. Huh? Maya's propaganda. Trying to create doubt, disunity, and mistrust in one another. And if we fall victim to that, the mission is stopped. Maya will attack in so many ways. We see what happened to the Godiamat. It was doubt, mistrust, and propaganda that separated so many devotees. So, we should be very, very, very cautious and on guard that we do not allow this disease to enter into our association. If somebody's having a problem, help them. Don't criticize. Huh? If somebody's trying to create some duality or duplicity, this person's against this person or that person's against that person, don't listen. It's Maya. Huh? If you have any doubts, you just ask the Guru. If you have any doubts, you ask a senior Vaishnava or the Guru. But don't listen to anything else that's contrary to what you have heard them say. Huh? If you do, you become an agent of Maya to destroy your Guru's own mission. Hmm? Any other questions? Does that answer? Prabhupada used to say, the worst enemy to our movement is rumors. <laughs> Gossip. Just takes away all one's propensity for devotional service. Don't listen. It will come. Maya must, Maya must do it. If she doesn't do it, she's not doing her job. mistreats you or me, I must forgive. If they mistreat another Vaishnav, then we must do whatever is necessary to protect our god-brother, our god-sister, or that Vaishnava. But for ourselves, we be willing to accept as Krishna's mercy. Unless it's creating a disturbance in the lives of others. Then we may have to defend ourselves. Not for ourselves, but for those. Huh? If someone doing something to us is disturbing the lives of others, for the sake of protecting them, we may have to defend ourselves, but we're not doing it to defend ourselves. Hmm? We should forgive. We should forget. Just like what Rancho Ji Maharaj told Arvind by Mafatlal, Hridayananda's father, that uh, two things to remember and two things to forget. Two things to forget is anything bad anyone has done for, to you, forget it immediately. And, it's, and the other thing to forget is any good you've ever done for another. 
because if you do not develop the quality of forgiveness, you will not be forgiven. To the extent you're willing to forgive, Krishna will forgive you. And how many things we have to be forgiven for. Therefore, the greatest thing that Krishna can do is have someone come and do a grievous offense to you. If it's such a horrible, immense offense and you forgive him, then you're forgiven for your horrible, immense offenses. Huh? So forgiving is a great virtue. And whatever we do for another, if we remember that, we become proud. And that ruins everything. Whatever we've done for another, we're only the delivery boy for our spiritual master and the Vaishnavas and Krishna. Huh? So whatever good we do for another, it's only, if, if it wasn't for our association with the Vaishnavas and with the Guru and with Krishna, we'd have nothing to give. So we're only delivering. So we shouldn't remember that I have done it. We should remember that Krishna has done it. Any fool could do what I have done. Huh? I just delivered it. I'm just so fortunate I was allowed to be a part of this pastime. And the two things to remember, death can come at every moment, whether you're an insignificant ant crawling around the floor during kirtan being smashed by the feet of the Vaishnavas, or whether you're the, the, the future prime minister of the biggest democracy of the world, death could come at any moment. Therefore, the other thing we should always remember is Krishna's holy name. Because his mercy is fully revealed through his name eternally. Srila Prabhupada Ki Thank you very much.